This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Garden Show is brought to you by The Urban Nature Store. Everything for folks who love wild birds. Six GTA locations including Woodbridge, Mississauga, and Oshawa. Visit urbannaturestore.ca. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt on the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Hello, Frank Proctor. Hello, Sue Chef of the Garden. Checking in here on a uh, Saturday morning uh, as part of the long holiday weekend, Easter. Yep. Charlie. Passover. You've got a purple little... Uh, well, it's blue, actually, but it looks Is it? Purple. Oh, in this light, it looks Well, it's purple. kind of periwinkle blue, so it's that purple. Periwinkle, yeah, yeah, yeah. You look like a little Easter egg. Well, thank you very much. I feel quite rotund when you say that. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't mean it that way at all. Oh, okay. Mm. No, I but here we are. A beautiful, beautiful day Look yesterday. Look at how blue the sky is today, too. Yeah. And so warm yesterday. Spring. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll, well, a little later on, I'll maybe mention that. Well, I can tell you now. Okay, tell my, me. Th- my three grand- grandkids who live in the same building in Toronto and I are up at uh, my, my friend Shirley's, mm-hmm. my girlfriend Shirley, mm-hmm. and she has a lovely uh, property that includes a forest. So they, A florist or a forest? Oh, a forest. For- a, gonna, florist. a property that includes I a florist. Think we so. should all have a florist but on staff, right? We had the greatest Easter egg hunt going. I mean, it was just a riot. I and bet. the kids, you know, the forest. And the six-year-old, they got more than I did. You know? yeah. Oh, gee, here we go. Here Competition, we go, yeah. sibling yeah. rivalry at its Quit finest. Me. <laughs> <laughs> it was too funny, but anyway. it was fun to be outside. Oh, I'm it was sure. a beautiful day, and hey, not a bad day today. A little on chilly side. That's true, but nonetheless, here we are. It's feeling quite springy. Did you want to give the phone numbers before oh, I get that. into my one hundred and one yes. announcements? Yeah, uh, thank you for reminding <laughs> me what my job is. Yes, okay. For those of you in the Toronto area, call this number, my friends: four one six. Three six zero zero seven forty, and then anywhere else in the province, it is toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. You will be speaking with Charlie Dobbin. Yes, indeed, yeah. and uh, with my sous chef on my right. Exactly, and of course, Justin will answer the phone yeah. when you first call in and find out where you're calling from and whether you're a first time caller. You got it. Uh, okay, lots going on. So quickly, let me give you my one hundred and one announcements. Starting uh, this coming Tuesday, April the 7th, the Richmond Hill Garden and Hort Society is hosting David Phillips. Mm -hmm. You know him. He's that senior Mm. climatologist with Environment Canada. Oh, I like him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's an author. He's also a recipient of the Order of Canada. So he's going to be speaking at the Richmond Hill uh, Garden Society, Hort Society, on the subject of climate and your garden. Makes sense. <laughs> the meeting, of course, is open to everyone. It is in a very large hall. So if you want to go, just go. They're a really fun group. Um, and, yeah, they're social. They have great meetings. The meeting does take place at the McConaughey Center, which is at one zero. 
one zero zero, so ten one hundred Young Street in that Richmond is the Hill. Richmond Hill Horticultural Society. That's right? correct. Yes. Yep. Yep. Eight to ten p.m. Burlington Hort Society is meeting on April the eighth at seven thirty p.m. They meet at the Burlington Senior Center, twenty two eighty five New Street. And the speaker is a hands-on presentation by Master Gardener David Marshall, all about growing seeds and cuttings under lights. That's 7.30 on April the 8th. And also happening on April the 8th is the Riverdale Hort Society's meeting at 7.30 p.m. They meet at the Frankland Community Centre on Logan, just south of the Danforth. There will be a floral competition, which is always fun, people competing with their florals, plus a speaker from the Toronto and Region Conservation Authority on the subject of creating beautiful gardens with native plants. Uh, April 13th, Agent Court Garden Club meets at 8 p.m. Speakers Trish Simmons, and her subject is Gardening the Blues, Elusive Blue Plants. The location is the Knox United Christian Education Centre, 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd. The uh, Toronto, the club is geared, and of course, the Agent Court Garden Club is mm. a pretty fun group. They are geared for novice, regular, and expert gardeners. Bonus, there will be a sweet and savoury tart dessert contest. So members who want to can bring tarts for judging and for sale. And uh, we won't do it right this instant because I imagine, let's just double check if we have any callers. Oh, we do. Oh, we do. Yeah. So we won't... Um, we won't rush into uh, my next thing, but I do want to talk to you about a very funny thing that came out on April Fool's Day from the David Suzuki Foundation. So we'll get into that in a little while. Okie doke. And we will be back momentarily to have a chat with Vivian in Burlington. But first, we've got to talk a little bit about our good friends at Sierra Sill, mm-hmm. the makers of a product that helps you keep your body tuned, you know? <laughs> yeah, attuned, really. It's like going into a mechanic and saying, uh, hey, do you want to give me a reach job? Well, that's sort of what well, Sierra Sill does. Yeah. It's a natural product yeah, yeah. that keeps your joints free from pain. Right, which allows you to stay tuned. There really. you go. I mean, it's that pain-free yep. aspect of life. You can stay active, you know, whether it's walking or gardening or, you know, kickboxing, whatever it is, you can do it because you're, you're not hurting. The, the joints are feeling very, very smooth and limber and, as you point out, greased. <laughs> and and Im- important to note, too, that investing in your body, in the health of your body, couldn't be better because if this doesn't work for you, and they, and they are quick to point out, it doesn't work for everybody, but there is a number you call, and yep. it is... 1-877-JOINT-14, or check them on the web, sierrasill.com. And the joint 14 is just a reminder that after 14 days, if you don't feel improvement, if you're saying, no, no, it's not working for me, you get your money back, mm-hmm. okay? And they're terrific people to deal with. Based in Vancouver. Yep, right, okay? that's where they're from. S-I-E... R-R-A-S-I-L Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And the under-undergardener, or the sous-chef of the garden, That's Frank right. Proctor here. <clears throat> I misspoke, actually. I said we're going to Vivian. We will go to Viv- Vivian eventually. <clears throat> Pardon me. But first caller is in from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, would you believe it? Jim. Hey, good morning, Jim. Hi, good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thanks. First time call. I forgot hey. to tell you. Well, first now, first I can tell. Just a minute. There we are. Wings. You have wings. <laughs> Frank, I'm a member of the International Frank Proctor. Oh, my God. Isn't that what? Yes. 
There, you've actually verified it. Now, I do have a fan in the States, which makes it international. That's marvelous. Good for I you. I listen to the podcast. Love it. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> That's great. Hey, Charlie, calling about calla lilies. Mm-hmm. You gave some info one time to someone I don't remember, maybe a year plus ago. Best way to plant them, I think you said something about planting them in a, in a container, a smaller container, and planting that in the ground. What would be the best way to plant them to keep them flowering all year? Okay, well, you'll never get them to flower all year. Well, the whole season. So. No, well, um, okay, so right now, are they dormant or are they, in a, are they growing right now? Yeah, no, they, I pulled them in the fall. Mm-hmm. They went in the milk crates, mm-hmm. a layer of vermiculite. Mm-hmm. The calla lilies, vermiculite covering calla lilies, and just kind of stack them. I'm waiting to Excellent. pull them and some dahlias out to replant. Right. And actually, now is a really good time to get any of those dormant, tender bulbs and rhizomes going, going and growing. Because if you wait until we're frost-free to take them outside and plant them outside, then it will be, you know, August before you see any flowers or July, maybe, you know, you're a little further south than us, but not extremely different in terms of the weather. Uh, so if you, could, if you can pot each of the callas, the dahlias up into pots with potting soil inside your home, if, assuming you have space to do that in a sunny location in which they can start growing, then you're in a good position once the weather starts to improve to take them outside slowly but surely, um, introducing them to the real world out there. And then the question is, do you take them out of the pots when you put them in the ground? You can, or you can leave them in the pots, whatever is easier. But bottom line is, you know, you have to lift them again in the fall. So sometimes it's easier to just leave them in the pots and bury the pots in the ground. Okay, okay. But they bloom more than once a year, each bulb. It doesn't seem like they really, they put out a flush and then they stop. Am I missing something there? No, that's true. They put, now, you can um, ex, um, extend the flush or the length of the, the flowering time a couple of ways. One is make sure you're going into a, a, a good quality, well-drained soil. So whether it's your garden soil or the potting mix you use. The other thing is fertilize them. Once they start to flower, give them a, a, a flowering plant fertilizer to support the flower that's on there, and don't put them in absolutely full sun. I Put them in a situation where they're getting a little bit of afternoon shade, if you can, and that will also prolong the flowering. Yeah, I was putting them right out in full sun. Yeah, I mean, they'll flower best in full sun, but you, like I say, you can prolong that flower if they're not in that hot, hot, hot afternoon sun. Okay. Mm-hmm. Frank, thanks for letting me slip that second one in there. <laughs> you, you, you know my, that my patrolman proctor is on the lookout, so good for you for doing that so, so neatly. Smooth, yeah, very smooth. Very smooth indeed, Jim. Hey, right, thanks for joining us, and uh, have a wonderful Easter weekend. You too. Thank you a lot. Take okay, care. Thanks for the call. Right-o. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Isn't that nice? I lived in Philadelphia, you know. Oh, did you really? I have good friends in Philadelphia. I um, lived there for three years. When I was a little kid, oh, I, and I okay. went with my family, obviously, yeah. and when I learned to talk, that's where I lived, was in Philadelphia, and it was so funny, because I'm a little kid living in, Canadian kid living in Philadelphia, and I had a Jersey accent, <laughs> Joyzy. Joyzy, yeah, yeah, no kidding. I, I had a total Joyzy <laughs> accent in Philadelphia, but I was a Canadian kid, and it was Nooks, all you didn't. <laughs> Well, son of a gun. <laughs> all righty, uh, we have Joe on the line from Hamilton. Um, hello, Joe, how are you? Hello, Frank. Good morning, Joe. Good. Uh, hi, uh, Charlie. No, uh, I was just wondering, uh, I have a white pine, at, a big, huge one at the side of my house. Mm-hmm. I was wondering how, like, with the cones coming down, if I could seed them or not. 
You can. It's, it's a very slow way to grow a pine tree, but certainly well, you. But if it's well, a, because I had a like a white birch at the side too, mm-hmm. and I guess one of the cones or the seeds had fallen in the crotch of the uh, white pine. Oh yeah, or, or the, yeah, the uh, birch. birch. Anyways, and it started growing. Right. So when I, I tried to take it out and be careful with it and replant it, but it didn't take. So. Uh, I guess that's uh, from one of the uh, cones that fell in there. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. No, no, that's exactly what happened. So the trick with any pine trees, but particularly white pine, they have a tap root. So a root like a carrot, which is a classic example of a tap root. So okay. whenever you're transplanting or moving a pine, whether it's a little tiny seedling or a, you know, five foot tree, remember any damage to that tap root will. That will spell the end of the life of the plant. Oh, you cannot break that taproot. So it's super important that it, for anybody's thinking about transplanting a pine tree, you dig very deep. And you take that root as deep yeah. as you can uh, okay. in order for it to survive. So that's probably what happened when you tried to get it out from that where it was growing in the birch. You right. probably did some, you know, lost a bit of the root along the way. Okay, but like... Can I seed them somehow, like through yeah. those cones? Yeah, be Mother Nature. Do exactly what nature did. It dropped the cones. The cones sat out. Of course, those the inside, like the cones, have to mature before the seeds will be ejected from the cones. Then there's that long winter where the seeds mm-hmm. sit out there in the cold, right. and then given the right conditions, some moisture, some reasonably you know moist organic soil, the seeds will will germinate and start to grow. But of course, they're tiny, tiny little plants, and we tend to step on them or run them over the lawnmower. So set up a little spot where you can mimic what what nature did when it dropped that, that pine cone into the birch tree, where nobody will walk and, you know, nobody will mow and it'll be nice and kept moist at all times and see if, if you can get some, some seeds actually germinating. Okay, so like you don't bury the cone, do you? Nope, nope. Just let it sit there? Let it sit on the surface. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, great. just make a little collection of cones. And, I mean, I can give you more information if you want about really – yeah, I mean, it, it, nature is pretty amazing what it will do without us interfering. So that's why I'm just saying, like, if you can come up with sort of a seed bed area with moisture, good soil, and some cones just sitting mm-hmm. on the surface, I think you'll find that you will have some germination take place. Isn't that neat? Oh, yeah. great. Thank you. Okay. Well, good luck on that, Joe. Yeah. And thank you. Are you a first time caller, by the way, from Hamilton? Yes, sir. Oh, well. Oh, my goodness. You know, here I go. There. Welcome. I've got the bell in for you. And there's (laughs) your wings. All right. No, I love your uh, radio station. I listen to it all the time. Well, that's great. I'll pass that along to the powers that be. Thank you very much. Thanks, Joe. Thank you so much. Have and a good Easter. Vivian is uh, on the line from uh, Burlington saying, are they ever going to come and chat with me? <laughs> yeah, yes. Said. We will in just a couple of moments, Vivian, honestly. Right after these words on The Garden Show from AM740, Zoomer Radio, it's The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And on this Easter weekend, Frank Proctor, delighted to be with Charlie, as usual here. Mm-hmm. And we're going to uh, Toronto now. Say hi. Oh, no, no wait. No, Burlington. no, Burlington. We almost, I almost had Vivian's going to be super Vivian. angry. <laughs> Welcome to the show at long last. <laughs> hi. Good morning, Vivian. Hello. Good morning. Charlie. <laughs> Frank, huh. I, I want to know, mm-hmm. I, I wish I listen to you all the time, every week, every weekend. Excellent. 
and uh, I want to know when's the best time to start to prune my rose of Sharon. Hmm, good question. I personally would wait probably, what is this, early April. I'd probably wait till the end of April to start yes. pruning the Rose of Sharon unless for some reason it gets so warm and everything's growing like crazy, then you might want to get out sooner than that. But at this point, we know that Rose of Sharon are one of the last shrubs to break forth with leaves. And they always look dead in the spring. Everything else is green and the Rose of Sharon isn't. So that's why I like to wait till there's just starting to show a little bit of green. Uh, Of course, we want to trim off all of last year's flowers. And you can certainly trim your Rose of Sharon back by a full third, particularly the height, because they tend to get tall and too tall. So, you know, bring them down to a third shorter probably than it is now and then remember you're going to trim to an outward facing bud and that's why if we wait till we can see the green we can see where the buds are going to grow next and we want to the the next growth to grow to the outside of the plant not to the inside right okay now um uh, last year's uh, uh, buds Mm -hmm. that are still on Mm -hmm. can you take all those off first Sure, you can take those off, off any time you want. Uh-huh. I mean, I you could... take them all off before I start again. Well, I mean, rather than making it a two-step process, if you really... If those little fruits... It's actually what happened was last year's flowers, when they finished, left behind little seed pods, okay. and then the, the little seed pods burst open and seeds ejected all over your yard, so you could maybe start a Rose of Sharon nursery in some cases. <laughs> but the, um, so if, it's, if the look of those hanging there is bothering you, you could go out and prune anytime you want. And at, when you're pruning, of course, you'll be removing those seed pods at the same time. So, you know, I mean, so you could technically go out and prune today if you wanted. It's a nice, dry, sunny day. Uh, and you could go, and, you know, if it's bothering you seeing all those dry little husks hanging there, uh, rather than doing it twice, just do it once. Go out and prune anytime you want. But the weather has been so up and down. I know. <laughs> I, I don't, I do, that's why I phone. Yeah. <laughs> because one night, uh, one day, it's, it's lovely. Mm. The next day, there's no coming. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's, it's cool today for sure, but the dryness is what we like. Never, ever prune on a wet or even an overcast day oh, at this okay. time of year because it's just too much wounding on the plant and it doesn't heal the way it should when it's so moist. So there you go, Vivian. Get the old loppers out and get set to get going. It's a good day for that. And Hey, thank you very much for joining us on The Garden Show. Well, thank you both for being with us every weekend. Okay, my love. Thank you. You take care now. Bye-bye now. Yeah, Vivian there from Burlington here at The Garden Show. And uh, golly, we have a bit, you know, a lot of of guys are on the line this morning, which is delightful. We have a lot of men gardeners calling in today. Well, for instance, Albert in Toronto. You're assuming Albert's a man. Well, well, let me check. Just a minute. Uh, uh, Hey, Albert. Hello. (laughs) Morning, Albert. It's a guy. That's good. Good morning. Uh, Good morning. Uh, I have a question about my fruit trees. Uh Uh-huh. I have two pear trees, Bartlett. Yeah. They used to give me tons and tons and tons of fruit. Mm-hmm. But for the past two, three years, I'm getting nothing out of them. Oh. They blossom okay. They, they, they have a lot of uh, fruit at the beginning. Mm. But once the pear reaches about half inch in diameter, within four or five days, they all fall to the ground, and that's the end of the pear tree. Wow. 
Hmm. I don't understand why. Do you spray, do you use a dormant spray at this time of year? I do. I haven't done it yet, but I will yeah. be doing it shortly. Yeah, it hasn't really been warm enough, so it needs to be a little warmer. Yeah. Uh, okay, and what about pruning? Have you been caring for these trees in terms of pruning them? I pruned them last week. Last week, okay. And you, you followed the instructions on how to prune a pear, or you just sort of <clears throat> randomly oh, pruned I, I'm not a... Uh, an expert in pruning, but uh, hearing uh, people that know a bit more than me, mm-hmm. I follow the rules and regulations to okay, open good. up the center, and give lots of air, lots of sunshine, and mm-hmm. and I've been very lucky. These trees are probably 15 years old, and like I said, for the past uh, two, three years, they have given me no fruit at all, but up until then, I was getting bushels and bushels of pears. Now, huh. you're, you're right here in the Toronto area, are you, Albert? That's correct. Yeah. Hmm. Now, I heard through some friends of mine, because they're on my lawn and I do fertilize the lawn, hmm. someone said that the lawn fertilizer is bad for pear trees. Is this correct? Lawn fertilizer is bad for all fruit trees because oh. it's so much nitrogen. Uh, nitrogen feeds the green leaves in our lawn, and of course, it's not really bad. It's just that by putting a lot of nitrogen around fruit trees, we are encouraging a lot of leaves and stem growth. As well, I fertilize the lawn twice a year, spring and fall. Yeah, which is, I mean, at, at the base of the pear, does the lawn grow right to the stem, or do you have it cut away from the stem? No, I have a cement circle about uh, 25 to... 30 inches in diameter, oh, okay, and, uh, and my wife puts shrubs around the, around the trunk. Oh. Or flowers. Flowers, okay. Yeah. All right, so that's good. Um, all right, and of course, there's lo- the pears are getting lots of sun. It sounds like they're flowering fine. They're oh, yeah, pollinating beautiful. fine. They're flowering uh, great. The, 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 at the beginning, they appear to have uh, too much fruit, if you want my opinion. Right. See that, uh, But then, like I said, you know, uh, once the, uh, the fruit it seems to be roughly half inch in diameter, mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess uh, it's like when you really do die. They, within three, four days, they all fall to the ground, and it just makes me cry. I bet. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's not unusual for plums, cherries, and pears to drop some fruit. That's correct. It's, it's self-pruning, if you will, because there's too much fruit. The, the tree can't support growing and, you know, actually maturing that much fruit. So it's very, very common. You know, we joke about the great plum fruit drop because it, it happens in June quite often. But it should never be 100% of the crop that drops. That's so that's correct. what's got me a little confused. Yeah. Well, Charlie, let me give you an example. One pear tree usually gives me two, three bushels of pear a year. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, last year I got a basket out of that. Oh, wow. And the other uh, pear tree, I got absolutely nothing, not mm. even one pear. Mm. So when the fruit dropped, give me an idea when the fruit dropped. Was it June? Uh, July? Yeah, mm. I think it's probably around June. They, they're going to blossom soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, may, maybe the end of May, beginning of June. Right. I guess it kind of depends. Like last year we had a, quite a late spring. And when the fruit dropped, they were what, about the size of a thimble, you said, or...? Uh, well, you know, the pear is, uh, it's not round like a ball, but, of course. but the main part of the fruit mm-hmm. seems to be roughly half inch in diameter. Half inch. Okay. okay. Hmm. All right. You know what? You're going to have to leave that with me, and I'm going to see if I can come up with something that could be happening there that could be causing a problem. Please. It's um, bugging me for over two, three years now. Well, I bet. Yeah. And yeah. of course, you know, we love fresh fruit off our own trees, and you've had some good experience with that, so yep. you look forward to it every year. Of course. All right. Okay. Now, Albert, are you a first-time caller? Yes, I am. Oh, well, here we 
There wow. we are. Thank there you. you. <laughs> Welcome to the you show. You have your wings. It's going to be fine now. Yeah, let, <laughs> I hope so. Let Charlie do a little bit yeah. of homework and there. I'll and we'll report get back, back on that. If I can, I'll report back today. And if not, I'll do it next week. Okay. How do we uh, stay in touch? Well, just you keep listening. You have to keep listening. Okay. All righty. Okay. Thanks, Albert. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye for Bye-bye. now. Yeah, that's a, that's a heck of a problem he's got there. And, uh, well, there's so many different things. I mean, weather can affect. But, yeah. You know, when we get the late frost yep. and the, the little flowers are just opening on the fruit trees and then they all get knocked off by the frost, but then you don't get the fruit. So yeah. he's getting past the frost point. He's getting past the pollination. He's getting the fruit. 100% drop is a bit unusual. Yeah. Well, see what we can do to help him out yes. in any case. Yes, we will, won't we? Yes, we will. Yes. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have, rely on I'll you. I'll have my assistant, Charlie, yeah. do a whole, <laughs> whole bunch of research. Well, now, Bob in Scarborough. Tell me, Bob, are you a first-time caller? Uh, I can't remember. I'm that age that uh, I'm told that if I think if I stop, somebody might throw dirt on me. You know? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Careful, Frank's going to fall I'm going to give you the bell for that anyway. <laughs> anyway, welcome, I have a Bob. That faces north, and it's across the whole back of my property. Mm-hmm. And through the years, it's uh, down below about a foot is clay, and I've got flocks and tree peonies and a few in it. But I want to get rid of it because all that stuff goes to seed and it's overtaken the garden um i would like to spray it with roundup but uh could i do that would it affect the tree peonies and uh could i just rotill it after that so you want to leave the tree peonies in place but right. you want to get rid of everything else that's there well a few plants i can move out but i just didn't know how to treat the the ground because if i don't do something with it the seeds from all the weeds and the flocks and that just keep coming up and they overpower the garden. I've yeah. dug them out a few times, but they just uh, keep coming back. So I want Vigorous. to just wipe it out. Well, okay. So technically it's illegal to use Roundup to, for any purpose other than to control noxious weeds. That would include things like poison ivy. Well, I could say they're all noxious. I know, but we're on the radio and I can't <laughs> support you using Roundup on non-noxious things. So, so keep that in mind. Okay. Uh, Roundup is very effective, though it is completely non-selective. So the way it works, when you spray Roundup onto a plant, it, of course, it's the green part of the plant that we spray. And the plant absorbs the Roundup through the green tissue, and the plant proceeds to die. And this is true for any green plant. It's biodegradable, isn't it? So they say. I mean, there's there, there's so many different stories on. Theoretically, Roundup becomes completely inert once the mm-hmm. it dries. Once it literally dries. However, there has been some research talking about Roundup being found years later in soil. So I'm I'm not totally up to date on the details. What I would be inclined to do, I mean, if you do want to use Roundup, just remember, do not allow that spray to touch anything that you want to keep alive. It's that simple. Obviously, don't spray when it's windy and use a piece of cardboard if necessary or a piece of rigid plastic to protect things you don't want to spray if you're out spraying. So it wouldn't leach out into the ground with the uh, No, it will not water affect, like it has nope. a lifespan of a, yep. Yeah. Yep, you can spray the bark of a tree, you know, the, the bark of a tree uh, with Roundup and nothing will happen. It's all about green tissue absorbing the, the, the Roundup and causing the death of the plant. There what is no absorption through the root. Okay, the alternative, the, the uh, uh, herbicides that are 
available to you as a homeowner to control weeds include things like uh, Weed Be Gone, I think is a, is a name of one. Bottom line is there's kind of – it's the vinegar. It's the um, uh, very high – um, acetic acid uh, vinegar, horticultural vinegar, which will work uh, slowly. It won't work immediately the way Roundup does, but it will if you spray and the plants are in the sun and you spray with just being careful again, only spray the things you want to kill uh, with this, this you know high percentage of vinegar of acetic acid. The plants will turn yellow right before your very eyes. Oh, okay. However, the root... Sounds like a plan. Yeah, and the root sometimes will su- survive. So you have to sometimes spray more than once. Okay, once, I have another twice, one for Frank. The guy says, you're looking uh, young for your age, and then what's your secret? I said, well, I take a half a teaspoon of formaldehyde every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> We're going to book you on a regular basis. All right, thank you. <laughs> okay, buddy, Bob, thank you. Thanks for calling. <laughs> Bob in Scarborough. Well, he's here every Thursday, yes, indeed. <laughs> okay. Stand-up routines. Exactly. Do you know, uh, we are sneaking up on our next commercial break, so I'm going to ask Lilia to just be patient for a moment. We'll get to you momentarily. Uh, meantime, Charlie and I both are spokespeople for uh, a wonderful product, Sierra Sil. Now, Sierra Sil comes in little pill forms, too, in which we both take. I take, and, and you two uh, take three of little mm-hmm. capsules in the morning. Uh, every morning, yep. yep. And that helps us ward off stiffness in our joints, yeah. and it's so good for you. And then there is the topical analgesic <laughs> spray. Which is pretty handy It is if it, you oh. go out and get active yeah. when you haven't been active. you got sore muscles? Oh, man. <laughs> Use this. It's, it contains seven of the world's natural oils. Yes. And it the smells... The world's natural oils. Uh, natural oils, yes. You just said the world's natural oils. Oh, did I? Yeah, yeah. Well, Whatever. Seven. That's what I meant. Completely natural. Well, it's complete. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like, there's lots of oil. Anyway, are oils gonna, of are we having lavender. A are we having a domestic now in the middle of... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was just thinking? My Uh-oh. brother and sister-in-law yeah. was telling you the story. They, they just built a brand new house where they've yeah. been living in a bungalow for 25 years. They're now living in a, a monster house. And it's so funny because they moved in last weekend and my, my brother was just like complaining like crazy via a text message going, we have climbed the equivalent of the CN Tower <laughs> in the last two days, just moving yeah. into a house with stairs. And I was thinking, I should get some of that analgesics. Well, Pray for them exactly because yeah. they would be they need it. Oh man, the muscles <laughs> they're gonna soar. It's so yes, funny indeed. <laughs> but anyway, pick it up at it uh, many many health Smells food great. stores, and uh, it's it's terrific. Sierra Sil phone yes. one eight seven seven joint fourteen or check the web sierrasil dot com. S i e r r a s i l Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And as soon as Charlie got me in the studio here, grabbing me by the scruff of the neck, said, hey, I want you to look at this. So it was a website, uh, okay. David Suzuki's website. Right. So it's, yes. it's davidsuzuki.org. Anyway, okay. What happened was on April the 1st, yeah. which is this past Wednesday, I believe, um, the, of course, was April Fool's Day, there was... Um, a tweet went out and it came out in the form of emails, whatever. I do get newsletters from the Suzuki Foundation. And it was called, what it was saying was, oh gosh, now, I get, now you've got me bamboozled here just trying to figure out exactly how it came out. So it was all about knit 
for monarchs. Of course, and we're at the time of year now where the monarch butterflies are leaving Mexico. They're starting their trip through the United States to get back up to breed, etc. So people are, you know, there's a lot of people watching and counting the monarchs and trying to provide safe haven and and a highway for them to travel. And um, so it was just kind of funny because April Fool's, this comes out, knit for monarchs. So if you go to, if you Google knit as in K-N-I-T for monarchs. Number four, the numeral. Yeah, the number, numeral four, or even if you just put knit for monarchs, it'll come up under the Suzuki Foundation. It's a very cute little video and it's all about this idea of everybody should knit these little sleeping bags for <laughs> the monarch larva. Because remember, the butterflies fly, they lay eggs, the eggs hatch, and it's, it's a larva or a wormy-looking thing. And before it can turn into an actual butterfly, it has to pupate. So the, the idea was just that, you know, monarchs are getting a really rough time of it, and we don't want to leave them out in the cold anymore. It's time for everybody to get together and knit these little sleeping bags so the, the <laughs> little larva can stay warm prior to pupating. And there's David Suzuki knitting, knitting away. It, yeah. and, and he actually is a knitter. Yeah. That's, it's for real. Like, he really <laughs> does knit. So, and it, so it's really cute. It's a really catchy little video. But at the end of it all, I'm sitting there going, why would anybody care about knitting? It's not about knitting for the monarchs. It's providing food for the monarchs is the thing. So then, of course, that then takes you to the get, you know, got milkweed. And, of course, some people have been calling saying, I want to grow milkweed in my garden because I want to support the monarchs. And where do I get seed? So Richter's, we know, has the seed. We talked about that last week. Uh, But if you want to actually get some milkweed plants through the David Suzuki Foundation, you can do so by ordering online. And then there's a pickup at the Christie Pitts. Uh, Everybody goes on May 24th Mm -hmm. to Toronto's Christie Pitts Park and picks up whatever they have pre-ordered in the way of milkweed plants. So you don't even have to struggle with growing the seeds. They're going to have actual plants. The other fun thing is if you don't want to grow milkweed but you want to support milkweed being grown on your behalf, you can put money forward and milkweed will be planted in your name in, your name. in parks and various places uh, in the GTA in southern Ontario. Well, that's good. I'm glad you squeezed that in. Yeah, okay. So knit for <clears throat> monarchs, monarchs. It'll give you a giggle. Good enough. Lilia in Toronto. Hello and welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. I've been two years calling on this, and uh, I was lucky enough. This is my first time. Oh, first time oh, caller. welcome. There you go. It's a, we're having I'm a so lucky lot. enough. <laughs> <laughs> my question is, I have an anturium, mm-hmm. a plant. Yes. And uh, it says here, this is uh, for a display. But I know this, this plant is uh, giving me some lots and healthy leaves. First leaf is smooth. And the second leaf is wrinkled. And the third one is smooth again. <laughs> I think this is a miracle plant. <laughs> I don't know how to treat this plant. All right. So it, uh, did it come with some care instructions? On the anterior? Were, yes, on the plant. Was there a little tag or instructions on There's how to... a tag on it. And, uh, it says, anterior, a lovable... This has been given by my son during my birthday. Mm-hmm. And this, this has been... Going on for about two and a half years. Oh, okay. And uh, it says plenty of light. So Pl- I don't... That's right. So do you have it in a sunny window? I am being placed in the sunny window. Is That's where it is now? Yes. Okay. And how? which direction does the window face? Not, uh, not too much in direction, but it has a light on it and... Uh, Okay, so it needs a bright spot. So, uh, just uh, uh, one of our house lights isn't the same as real sun. Mm-hmm. So, 
the best location for your anthurium, if you can do so, is right in a window. Mm-hmm. If it's a north or an east window, then north. you won't. Okay, then you want to be right on, right at the window, not five feet away, but right on the ledge if possible. No shears, no blinds during the day. Make sure this plant is getting maximum light. They do like a fair amount of moisture. Uh, they will always be happier and healthier. When Check every day. Feel the surface of the soil. As soon as it starts to feel quite dry, now, uh, as long as there's a little bit of moisture, you can feel moisture, don't worry, but eventually it's going to start feeling dry on the surface, and then it's time to water. Do, ha- do I have to water every day? No, no, but you're going to feel it every day. Oh, you might water it once a week. You might oh. water it every two weeks. It depends how what the temperature is in your house and, uh, you know, how much. What about getting, getting one of those little meters? Uh, the you could. I mean, the, it, it it doesn't. It's they like a fair amount of water. Is the bottom okay. line. So you just don't want to let it get bone dry. As soon as it starts to feel like it's drying, then remember the room temperature water, water that has sat out, it's not displaced, not straight out of the tap. No, yeah. because I'm waiting out to give me a flower on it. Mm-hmm. How about fertilizer? Have you ever fertilized I, it? I put it already a fertilizer. Okay, so what kind of fertilizer did you use? Oh, it's a black one and so on. So you used it recently? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so with fertilizers, never more than once a month. Uh-huh. Okay, when you're watering, you would mix your fertilizer with your water. Yes. Once a month at the most, follow the directions. More is not better. <laughs> Never, ever over-fertilize because that will be very detrimental to the plant. Oh, my goodness. All right. Okay. It'll, it'll come. You'll see. Just but, you know, there are lots of, there are lots of leaves, have leaves, and mm. health leaves, green leaves, and I don't know what's happening on my plant. It's, just, it's so good enough to see this plant. Yeah, well, I mean, the days are getting longer. Plants are responding now. You're getting a lot of leaves. Make sure that you're using a flowering plant fertilizer, which will be high in the middle number, the phosphorus, which will encourage flowers as well. Uh Okay. Thank you so much. Right. Very good, Lilia. Good Thank, I'm glad you got through. Yeah. Thanks for your <laughs> okay. call. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. That's great, honey. That's Thank a, you for joining that's us. That's amazing. I think we've had yeah. more first-time callers yeah. today than ever. I mean, just about everybody's well, been a first-time caller. Uh, we're going to be along to talk to Shelley calling in from St. Catharines, but we do have to take our final little commercial break here. So let's do that and then come back and talk to uh, several folks who are online right now. You're listening to The Garden Show from AM7. As we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips, and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, welcoming from St. Catharines. Shelley, hi, Shelley, good morning. Good morning, an old timer. I've oh. called several times. <laughs> well, that's good. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you. And it's about my beloved hibiscus. Mm-hmm. Um, I trimmed the uh, um, uh, uh, stems and, and, and put them in water to root, mm-hmm. and they are starting, so good. I'm thrilled to bits on that. Mm-hmm. But what I'd like to know is the, the mother plant, shall we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's pot bound. Mm-hmm. When do I cut back the roots? Now or do I do it later when I'm going to put them out in the garden? 
How big is the plant, or like the pot? The pot is about a, um, ooh, a good 10 inches wide, and then it, it narrows yeah. down because it has a draining thing for it. Yeah. Okay, so two options. You're absolutely right. Hibiscus are fast-growing, vigorous plants. They, they fill the pot with roots. Before you know it, there's no room for soil, and, you know, the roots are breaking the pot. If you want to put that plant into a bigger pot to make room for, you know, some soil to be around those roots, you're just going to have a bigger plant. So many people, as you, sounds like you're understanding as well, choose to not put the plant into a bigger pot. They want to keep it in that pot, but they know they have to pull it out of the pot, trim off a bunch of roots, add some fresh soil, and stick it back into the same pot after giving it a wash. Yes. Should you do it now? Should you do it when you're taking it outside? Is more just a question of what works better for you. It is messy to, to take a plant that size out of a pot and get out a, whether it's a butcher knife or a, a saw, you know, and yep. start sawing away on the outer roots. And so it might be the kind of thing that you'd prefer to do outside just because it's a bit messy. Yeah. But if you want to just spread some newspapers and do it inside now, you could do that as well. Make sure you've got fresh soil mix ready to go back into the pot with the plant back into the pot to be well watered. Okay. And how much, like how much back on the roots do I take? A third? Maximum of a third. Trimming? Yeah. A maximum of a third all the way around plus the bottom. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Good luck with that. It's fun, actually. And okay. the hibiscus well, I loves will, it. I will call you and let you know if I get uh, roots enough to sustain my five little <laughs> that I Your have. Your cuttings. So. Oh, you will. Yeah. You will. It's a, it's a great plant. Yes, and C- it's so pretty. Yes, it is. Yes. Thank well, you so thanks much, Thanks for Shelley. calling, Shelley. Thank you. Happy Easter. Yeah. Thank you. Good you to have too. an old-timer with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking and of old-timers. I'm going to, I'm going to yes, uh, quickly Good. answer Edith, who is calling from Downview. What do I do with the acorns in my fridge? Stay tuned next week. We're Charlie gonna and I. We're going to plant acorns. We're going to plant acorns. We'll we're, give you all the info then. We're doing okay? a planting s- a yes. session seminar, seminar here yes. on the radio exactly. next Saturday. Exactly. So everybody get ready with their acorns, their fresh potting soil, and their pots. Okay. Rick in White River yes. on the line. Speaking Hello, of old timers. Old timers, yeah. yes. How are things up in White River right now, Rick? Good morning. Good morning. Things melting yet? Uh, well, somewhat, yes. Yeah, a little but bit. Sunny, the days are longer. And yeah. I, I have a friend that sent me a hydrangea for Easter. Okay. And it's in a, like a four-inch pot. And oh, nice. I put my finger in there. It's just like a sponge. It's so wet. Oh, okay. And I was wondering if I should transplant that thing right away. Um, How big is the plant? It's it's uh, not very big. It's 12 inches. It's oh. uh, high. It's got some nice bloom on it. Okay, uh, transplanting is stressful for the plant, so I would be inclined to not transplant it if you don't have to, um, because you may lose the flowers, and technically you should cut off flowers when you transplant. So, uh, but hydrangeas do like a fair amount of moisture. and, and fair amount of sun as well. But if it's a foot tall in a four-inch pot, I would just probably try and get it into a six-inch pot, get it some good quality potting soil around that existing root ball, uh, sunny location, make sure it's got some good drainage, but you will have to stay on top of the watering with a hydrangea. Well, they, taking off that plastic stuff, they wrap it in. Yeah, definitely take that off. Get rid of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, the plastic's not good. But but that's the way people typically lose hydrangea blooms and blossoms is by lack of water. Takes okay. You need a lot of water to sustain those big, those big monster blooms. Right. Okay. So uh, I have another question. 
if I'm allowed. Uh, As long as it's really, really, really fast. Okay, a quick one, a quick one, Rick. Does Jack and Honey take care of a cold virus? (laughs) (laughs) It makes you feel better, that's for sure. (laughs) You guys are the best. (laughs) Hey, thanks, Rick. Have a happy uh, Easter weekend, huh? Bye. Okay. And that goes for all of our listeners, wherever you are listening from, whether it's from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Or um, Belgium. We've got our friend Peter in Belgium. My mom, I think, might be listening. Hey, Dolly. Hello, Dolly, and happy Easter to you. Happy Easter and happy Passover to everyone who's um, like the rest, the other side of my family. (laughs) who are celebrating Passover, which we will be doing next weekend as well. All right. So thank you. Thanks, uh, my sous chef. You've got a turkey, uh, ham, a duck in the oven or goose or something? Well, we had hamburgers yesterday. Oh, my. Very Eastery. But we'll we'll work something out. Yeah, Uh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, we're off to a big Easter dinner tomorrow night. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, all right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Justin. Couldn't do without your your help. Uh, You know what? One, I have... 20 seconds to tell you about remember that the Riverdale Horticultural Society offers a fabulous deal to gardeners in Toronto. They sell large feed-sized bags of worm poo. Oh, remember? right. Worm castings. Each bag weighs approximately 70 pounds and it costs only $15. You can get smaller bags as well, but the $15 bag is the best deal. More information and to place an order, RHS. Yep. Riverdale Hort Society, wormcastings at gmail.com. All right. And I just can't imagine those little worms with those little tiny, tiny roll, toilet rolls, uh, hanging by the... Pooping their... into a bag. Yes, yes. Amazing. <laughs> it's like those monarch butterflies in sleeping bags, I tell you. <laughs> Have a great day, for monarchs. You got it. Take care. See you next week. The Garden Show is brought to you by the Urban Nature Store. Everything for folks who love wild birds. Six GTA locations, including Woodbridge, Mississauga, and Oshawa. Visit urbannaturestore.ca. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.